This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Last Sunday morning, we looked together at three different philosophies of life, each of which proposes to answer the question, what shall we do with these human desires, instincts, impulses, and drives that we find down within ourselves? Or what shall we do with these wild horses of desire? Last Sunday, we mentioned that the first answer is let the horses run wild. That's the answer of self-indulgence. The second possible answer was kill the wild horses, self-rejection. But we came to the third, which I think is the right answer, ride the wild horses. This is Jesus' way of self-fulfillment. Harness that wild horse, that impulse. Dedicate it completely to God's glory and service. Now, that was last Sunday. Somebody said, well, why don't you say it like that last Sunday and not take so long? Well, you know how preachers are. (laughs) Now this morning we're coming to build on the basis of last Sunday's thoughts as we take an example of one impulse or desire which we find within the heart of every one of us. And I'm calling this the drum major desire. Have you ever watched a parade go down the street? Maybe a band being led onto the football field led by a proud, high-stepping drum major? If we'll be very honest with ourselves, we'll have to admit that there's something within each of us that makes us want to be a leader, to be important. One little girl said it this way, all my dreams come out the same way. I'm always somebody important. In a thousand subtle ways, we have all tried to be drum major. For example, little babies, as cute as they all are, precious as they are, they're actually egocentric bundles looking for yet another way to gain the spotlight for themselves. And if they don't get what they want when they want it, they have marvelous ways of letting adults know. And then through childhood and adolescence, we still try to gain center stage for ourselves. Oh, oh, the ways we do that. I remember people used to do it by jumping in a tub of jello or flagpole sitting. Some of the older people remember that. Uh, weird clothing. I don't get too far into that now. Uh, t-shirts. They have a way of saying what we won't said. Uh, maybe a wild hairdo. Now, you remember goldfish eating? Some of you old people remember that. A crazy dance. Uh, oh, so many things some offbeat idea which is often expressed in a protest or a demonstration, all desire to gain the center of attention for ourselves. Adults don't grow out of this desire to be a drum major. Why do we give to the poor? Why do we bake a delicious pie or a cake? Or why do we compliment another person or visit a sick person or paint pictures or sing solos or, or preach sermons? Oh, yes, this is all to help other people, of course. But is that the full reason? I think if we could just see ourselves truly, we'd be absolutely surprised to see just how much this drum major desire comes out in everything we do. 
we like to do something well. And we like to be praised for it. You know, if I could be very personal here, I sometimes question whether uh, so many preachers, you know, when the, at the end of the service, they'll stand at the door and greet people as they're moving out. And uh, I think they may would like to hear people say, oh, preacher, well, never mind what they say to the preacher, always some compliment. And the preachers thrive on hearing that. I remember uh, <laughs> one preacher came to a church, a new pastor, and he preached his first sermon. And when he went to the door to greet the parishioners who had come, there's one sweet old lady. He had preached a sermon on sin, by the way, that morning. This sweet old lady shook his hand warmly and she said, Preacher, we in our church here, we didn't know what sin was till you came here. <laughs> well, we all welcome praise from anyone, even when we know we don't deserve it. We like to be applauded. We like to see our names in print. We like to hear our name called. That's why I like to call birthdays and recognize people. People love that. People love to be well spoken of. This reestablishes our self-esteem. As one man said, praise gives us a temporary lift over the low opinion we have about ourselves. All right, let's go now to the scripture and let's look at a very clear example of this drum major desire recorded by Mark in Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, there's something we want you to do for us. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked them. They answered, when you sit on your throne in your glorious kingdom, we want you to let us sit with you, one at your right hand and the one at your left. Now, have you ever heard of anything so preposterous as that? Doesn't it look terrible when we see these drum major desires in somebody else? What right had James and John to ask for this? Well, some people may observe that they were first cousins of Jesus. That's right, their mothers were sisters, Mary and Salome or Salome. Maybe they felt that their close kinship, kinship with Jesus entitled them to a special place in his kingdom. Well, before we condemn these two disciples, Let's look first at the response of Jesus. He asked them, as he always, so many times when people ask a question, he answers with a question. He asked them two questions. First, can you drink the cup that I must drink? And the second question he asked, can you be baptized in the way I must be baptized? Jesus was saying that those who shared his triumph must share also his cup. And that was a symbolic word, you know. In the garden, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. What was the cup? It was a crucifixion, death on a cross. He was facing death. And he prayed to be delivered from that, that cup of crucifixion. But what was the cup for James and John? Can you drink the cup that I must drink? James, uh, history tells us that he was one of the first of all the apostles to die. Herod had him killed by the sword. John lived on to an old age and probably died a natural death. For him, the cup may well have been constant discipline and struggle of the Christian life through the years. I read somewhere there was a Roman coin which was found and there was a picture of an ox on it. And the ox was facing two things. 
One, he was facing an altar, and the other way he was facing a plow. And the inscription under the coin read, ready for either. See, that ox had to be ready to be sacrificed on the altar or ready for the long labor of plowing on the farm. Jesus asked James and John if they could drink of his cup, and they said, yes, and Jesus agreed. Jesus said, you will indeed drink the cup that I must drink and be baptized in the way I must be baptized, but I do not have the right to choose who will sit at my right and at my left. It is God who will give them these places for those whom he's, for those for whom he's prepared them. Now that was a little story about James and John wanting to sit at the left and right of Jesus. Now when the other ten disciples heard about this, what was their response? Oh, they became violently angry with James and John. Uh, the Living Bible says they were very indignant. But Jesus called them all together and he said, if one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. And if one of you wants to be first, he must be the slave of all. I think we would expect Jesus to issue a stinging rebuke to James and John for that request they made. Well, those other ten disciples did just that, but Jesus did not. We would have said, kill those wild horses, suppress that drum major desire. But Jesus did not suggest that at all. Rather, he said, you want to be important? You want to surpass others? You want to be great among men? All right then, be great. But remember to be absolutely sure that it's the God's kind of greatness that you achieve. If you want to be better than everybody else, then prove it by being the greatest servant. In other words, Jesus said, use that desire within you. Cultivate it for God's glorious purpose and fulfill that yearning in the proper channels. There are always those in our world who desire to achieve greatness in the wrong way. The official biographer of Mussolini wrote that one day, uh, she asked him what his ambition was. He replied, I am obsessed by one wild desire. It consumes my whole being. I want to make a mark on my era uh, with my will, a mark like this. And, and with his fingernails, he scratched a chair back from end to end, like the claw of a lion, he said. But on the other hand, this desire for greatness can find expression in God-approved ways. I think one of the best examples of this is a story of a man named Joe. Joe lived in a small Midwestern town. Joe had very little education, but he was easily the town's first citizen. Everybody called him Joe. And when he prayed at church, something happened in people's hearts. One man wrote about Joe, I shall never forget the morning that Joe died of a fever. The stores in our little community did little business. The streets were quiet. The richest man in town had just ordered a new carriage and he went down himself and gave that carriage to Joe's widow. The florist completely ran out of flowers. 
the, the county undertaker drove 15 miles over the hills to offer his services free for Joe. Joe had often said, I was a drunkard on these roads until one day uh, the Lord got a hold of me. And that's what that funeral director said, something the same thing. I was a drunkard too. And one day Joe got a hold of me and told me about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. For his, peop for his funeral, the people came from everywhere. The, back in those days, they had a toll gate for people to have to pass through. Toll gate keeper said, I've been keeping this toll gate for 35 years, but never have I seen 1,200 carriages come from all over the country to pay tribute to just one man. There you have the drum major czar leading the parade. All right, so you want to be important? Fine. Every disciple of Jesus should want to be the very best that we can be or else something I think is missing that should be there. Now, if you don't have some semblance of a drum major desire within you, you may be in pretty bad trouble. But if you have not given that desire to the Lord and allowed him to glorify it, then you're probably in worse trouble. God made every person to be great in some way. And because of these drum major desires, we do raise better crops, we make better pies, we preach better sermons, we make better grades in school, we run a better restaurant, whatever it is we do. Keith Miller tells about another person who caught that spirit of Jesus. He described her as one of the most remarkable Christians he had ever met. Although she was not a religious celebrity like Billy Graham or some other famous preacher, in fact, relatively few people ever knew about this lady. She, she was an 82-year-old retired nurse who worked very quietly in an obscure Texas town. When she retired from hospital work at age 65, she felt like she was still able to work. And so she began looking around to see what needed to be done and was not being done. She quickly discovered a host of elderly people who were bedridden and could not afford nursing home care. One of the most chronic needs of these people was for periodic enemas, but there was nobody to give them. And so this dear, sweet Christian lady decided she was gonna tackle that task, giving these elderly people enemas. Now you talk about inglorious work. <laughs> this makes foot washing seem easy, doesn't it? Yet it needed to be done. And by the time Keith Miller heard about her, she was going to some 80 elderly shut-ins a week and providing this service. And when I asked if she ever got any publicity for what she was doing, she said, no, I don't need any. Her satisfaction, she said, came from the fact that she'd been given a gift from God and here was a job that needed to be done. And all that really mattered, she said, was getting the gift and the need together. God made you to be great. So go to it. Whatever your age is, you can still do it. You, you will find your true greatness and the home as you manifest kindness and love. It will be seen in your business as you prove to those around you that 
you can well live the Christian life every day without being offensive about it. In your school, as you live before your friends and the kind of winsome Christian life that you have will attract others to it rather than repelling them. Or in your church, you can find a place of service, not necessarily a grand position with a title to it, not even being ordained to some position, but maybe a lowly place of service. You can be great. Poet has said it this way, Father, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. Then he pointed out a tiny spot and said, tend that for me. I answered quickly, oh no, not that. Why, no one would ever see, no matter how well my work was done, not that little place for me. And the word the Lord spoke, it was not stern. He answered me tenderly, ah, little one, search your heart. Are you working for them or me? Nazareth was a little place, and so was Galilee. What about your desires? You have those desires within, to be a drum major, to be important. Great. God put them there. Commit that desire to the Lord. And whatever you're doing, whatever your position, whatever your status in life, and God can glorify it and in the process give you a sense of peace and joy that you never knew existed. Father, we thank you for Jesus who is truly our example. Yes, he's our savior, but he's also our example. His life showed us what it was to be a servant. Help us, Lord, to be willing to follow Jesus and to be a servant of Christ also to other people all around us so that people can see Jesus living in us. This we pray in his precious name. Amen.